Hello everybody, this is a very special episode of Here Comes the Spider Cast. We are covering, among other things, the first appearance of the Hobgoblin. This is Amazing Spider-Man 238. We're also going to be covering Marvel Team-Up number 127 and Spectacular Spider-Man 76. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for today. We're going to be looking at uh, all these Spider-Man comics from March of 1983. So uh, there's definitely a few good ones in, in uh, this month. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, that's right. I'm super pumped. And uh, just so everyone knows, we've got two special guest hosts today. First, we've got our co-producer from the comic book syndicate, G.I. Jolie. Say hello, G.I. Jolie. Hi, from home. <laughs> Yes, uh, uh, Bex Luther. Say hi, Bex Luther. Yo, what up? It's your boy, <laughs> Trash Queen. I actually put makeup on. Oh, nice. I'm just growing my hair out, which I was already doing, so it's fine. Uh, I'm feeling like I should cut it just for camaraderie's sake. But yeah, I put pants on today. Like, I'm wearing jeans. Like, nice. I haven't worn jeans in about two months, so. <laughs> Sweet. Well, the viewers at home appreciate it. Doing, doing God's work over here, you know? <laughs> Going crazy. All right, so Bex Luther, we've had you on SpiderCast before, but you mm -hmm. are definitely a Spidey fan, right? I am. I love me some Spidey. And what, are you a fan of the Hobgoblin? Is anyone? <laughs> anyone like, ah, oh, my favorite Spider-Man villain, Hobgoblin. Uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, he's cool. Becca, I have a handwritten list of every 80s Spider-Man comic with detailed uh, notes about every Hobgoblin appearance. So does that answer your question? Sadly, Mike, sadly, I think it does. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. You do that for everybody. <laughs> That's true. Okay. So how about this? Uh, we're going to start off with Amazing Spider-Man 238. I'm going to quickly summarize the plot of this one, okay? And then we'll go from there. So this was, you know... At the time it came out, it was probably... You, you might think it was just a regular issue of Spider-Man, but actually the fact... They did a couple things that make me think that they knew they were onto something here. Like, this is by the regular writer and artist team of Roger Stern and John Romita Jr., but I don't know if you guys noticed this, but they got John Romita Sr. to come back to do the inks. So the art, as usual, is great, but it's even got that extra special level of... Uh, panache I guess you could say for this issue obviously on the cover here we've got Hobgoblin ripping up Spider-Man's costume and inside it says shadows of evil's past and um, I don't know I think they knew they were onto something here but we're just going to summarize this quickly basically Peter Parker is hanging out with his Aunt May at the I have to point this out this is the um, what is this called here halfway this, home yeah, Her halfway the house. halfway home, but this is Spider-Man or Peter Parker's childhood home. So I think this is P uh, Roger Stern sort of slowly bringing back all the old elements of uh, Peter Parker's childhood, right? To kind of bring everything back to the old status quo. I feel like I feel like he's been doing that with Spider-Man as a whole too, because I I believe it was right. him who even brought the uh, the webbed wings too, right? Back. Yeah. So I feel like point. a lot of this is really kind of going back to uh, Spidey's roots, not just Peter. So, yeah, that's mm. a good point. That's a good point. So he's definitely bringing things back to the way they were. So he, we even have a flashback to Spider-Man's origin here. So in case this is your first issue of Spider-Man, right? As it was for some kids, uh, you get a flashback to how he started out. We have a little bit of Spidey action, and then basically after he intervenes in this, <clears throat> these guys were stealing his car. We, it's, it's kind of interesting because instead of following Spider-Man after this point, we follow the guy who's gotten away from Spider-Man. And so he is 
kind of making his way through these sewers, he ends up getting away from Spider-Man, and he stumbles onto something very cool. Uh, of course, in perfect condition, even though it's been, you know, uninhabited for whatever this is, 10 years, we find a secret former headquarters of the Green Goblin, right? So this is very cool. So look at this. We go to the next page and we have Mary Jane Watson back who, Josh, when was the last time we saw Mary Jane? I don't think we have seen MJ. Right. I don't th I don't think we've seen Mary Jane since we started Here Comes the Spider Cast, no. which in, in, in Spider-Man time has been two years, mm -hmm. right? Or two and a half years, yeah. So it's been a while. So again, putting all these pieces back into place. So then, you know, we flash back. We find out that Norman Osborn is involved in this crime that's going on. And so we flash back to Norman Osborn. We flash back to uh, Green Goblin. Then we find out that this criminal who's found this headquarters has told someone he knows, but we don't know who it is. This guy's own shadow. So this criminal brings this mysterious figure back to this headquarters that's in the sewers, shows him where it is, and he is promptly rewarded by having his van blown up. So this guy goes in, now this is kind of weird, even though we don't know who this is, we're seeing all of his thought bubbles, we're seeing his thought process, and he's explaining, just as Roger Stern loves to do, he's explaining what the villain's thinking and how his costume works as he goes along. So he goes through his costume, he explains that he's dyed the costume, he explains the pumpkin bombs, he explains the gloves, the uh, microcircuitry on his gloves that can activate these little uh, electrical, whatever they are. He talks about his jet glider, and then he talks about the mask. And he actually specifies that he's modified everything just so the readers know, yes, we know this isn't exactly the same character. And then, of course, on the last couple pages, he's suiting up, putting on his boots, putting on his belt. And the last page, we get this beautiful shot of the Hobgoblin. So all I can say is, as I told Becca earlier, I had a booklet, okay, of notes on every Spider-Man comic from the 80s and was all based around the Hobgoblin. So this was the holy grail for me. Let's start with you, Josh. You're the co-host. Right. What did you think of this issue, I, the first appearance of the Hobgoblin? I loved it. Um, I remember reading this um, this issue as a kid and being, like, in such suspense, like, leading up to the Hobgoblin reveal. Because, like, even the cover doesn't spoil it, which is kind of uh, refreshing for, uh, for the comics. Usually... Um, the the comics that we've been reading they kind of spoil the the twist or the bad guy right on the cover so uh, I thought it was great I you know I honestly didn't even really mind a whole lot the flashback of like reintroducing Uncle Ben and everything because we are kind of also getting reintroduced to to his house and uh, you know like Aunt May and it was just really refreshing and, and uh, nice to kind of see like all of the elements of Peter Parker and Spider-Man in this issue uh, mm -hmm. yeah I thought all around it was really well done and in, in like he he's the, the Hobgoblin is intimidating right from the start like even before we see him as Hobgoblin we see him killing the guy that helped him become right. the Hobgoblin like yes. right off the bat he's a scary guy and I think that yeah, this, this issue uh, was really great. Yeah. All right, G.I. Jolie, are you going to make a booklet of every Hobgoblin appearance? Tell us. And give details. Why would I do something like that? <laughs> no. Did you love no. this comic She's book? got better things to do. <laughs> I don't. I absolutely do. Um, I have other lists to preoccupy my time with. Um, <laughs> how how I, many yeah. times Deborah Whitman's been burned? 
That's that's my first look. No, so, Jolie, yes. what did you think of this issue? Did you, did it excite you as much as it did me and Josh? Um, and I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I guess don't think so. Anything yeah. could. <laughs> no, at this point, it's like I I feel like my excitement has been eclipsed. Um, but no, I I wouldn't say I was excited. I'm def. Well, I guess I'm excited that. It's not like a stinker for once. Like, yeah, I, I finished the issue. was like, wow. I think that's what people were talking about when they say they like Spider-Man comics. I get it. Okay. Mm. Why aren't all the issues like this? It's definitely a standout issue. So Bex Luther, did you think this was a standout issue of Spidey? This is your third appearance, I think, right? Sure, you know, three, ten, who, who's counting? <laughs> yeah. um, so what did you think of this issue? Was it a standout issue of Spidey? Well, it's cool because Spider-Man's not in it a lot. And I don't know why that makes me like it more. That's offensive, but okay. <laughs> but, like, no, I just, like, I like Spider-Man. Like, everybody kind of likes Spider-Man. But I don't know how many times I can listen to him complain that he's got to go to class and oh no Aunt May is, has a new boyfriend or whatever and then <laughs> he saves the day like it's 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 just refreshing to see those other perspectives I think like the thug's perspective and he's just kind of a guy like a nobody and then then Hobgoblin comes out of nowhere I did I enjoyed it it's harder to see because like obviously the one that you said to me was like one that had been touched up and everything right so it's kind of difficult to see how it originally looked but yeah, I mean, I didn't linger on it too long. I just read it and I was like, cool, Hobgoblin. <laughs> okay, let's see. Yeah, like, is this the first appearance of the Hobgoblin? Yes. Yeah. That's why we're doing this episode. Yeah, it's the first appearance of Hobgoblin. <laughs> and like, when I was a kid, it was the holy grail to me. Like, I tried to have every single Spider-Man comic starting with this issue. I mean, granted, I could have gone back further, but I just picked this one arbitrarily just because the mystery... Now, here's the thing. This is the other thing to point out is in this issue, as Josh was talking about, we don't know who this is. He's in shadow. We, we get his characterization, but we don't know who his secret identity is. We don't find out who the Hobgoblin is for five years. And even when we do find out, it wasn't who the original writer intended it to be. So Roger Stern ends up coming back, I think it's another eight years later, and redoing that story and revealing who the the real hobgoblin was so this is like a great mystery i mean okay it's not great but it is a mystery <laughs> and it lasts five years so if you were to read spider-man from uh, amazing spider-man 238 to i think it's 289 that's a five-year story that's crossing over into almost every issue of spidey of who the hobgoblin is and all these red herrings and it's really cool you know what maybe there's not as much to talk about with this issue as there is about hobgoblin let's very quickly let's just talk about comparing it to the Green Goblin. I personally, I mean, when I grew up, Hobgoblin was a thing. Green Goblin wasn't even around. He was dead. So mm -hmm. I love the design of the Hobgoblin. Josh, what's your take? Do you, do you think he's better, worse, equal? What's your take? I feel like he, at times, feel feels a little bit more intimidating than the original Green Goblin. Green Goblin is pretty scary, but I felt like... Like, I also grew up reading more Hobgoblin, but I think I was introduced to Green Goblin first. Um, but, yeah, Hobgoblin can can be kind of a little bit maybe more intimidating and, and uh, a little bit more serious where like Green Goblin almost has like a Joker vibe at times where he's like delirious and like laughing and sure. kind of has that like goofiness about him where Hobgoblin again has that like darker tone. 
So yeah, I, I like I like Hobgoblin. I, I do uh, really do like his design. Um, Absolutely. So. I think this last page, this shot of Hobgoblin is so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know John Romita Jr. is a, is great with figures. We know John Romita Sr. I mean, his art is probably the most beautiful in all of Marvel. I guess, let's put it this way, Bex, Luther, if you were reading this and this was the setup, would you be intrigued enough by his character to want to find out what was going to happen next and who his identity was going to be? I personally just want to know how he got the Green Goblin's suit to dye to these much brighter colors. As a costumer myself, I thought, I was like, you can't dye over dark purple with a bright yellow. That's not how that works. So I just want to know, like, is he using a writ dye? Is he using, like, a liquid dye? But yeah, besides that, I don't, I don't... What? It's it's hard because this was the first time I read this, right? Clearly you you and you and Josh both are love this guy. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know. It's just like uh, it just for me it's like uh, it's not the green goblin. Cool. <laughs> well, I guess, Sorry. here's the thing is they they could they've already had at this point they'd already had a second green goblin. No, two uh three more. They sorry, two more. They had Harry Osborn as the green goblin and they had Bart Hamilton. Do you think they should have done a fourth Green Goblin, or did you like the fact that they introduced a different character? I mean, you you can do as many goblins as you want, but the Hobgoblin, he's literally just Green Goblin, but different colors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm yeah. sure his character different, but... Go ahead, Yeah, Joey. and it, 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 it's kind of made underwhelming by the fact that you, like, you mm. see everything before the yeah. splash page where it, you... It's it's shown on digital page nineteen. You see his entire layer and all of his suits yeah. hanging up there. So it's like, it, it, I, I wasn't. I guess I wasn't sure. It was like, should my should my reaction have been bigger? Um, because he walks into a room, starts putting on and kind of like narrating to himself, which to me is a little bit odd, but again, he's a villain, so he's probably a little bit crazy and or is used to just, you know, scheming in his own mind. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not sure how excited I'm, I'm supposed to be when I see the final shot. I'm not like terrified or anything, but I like I don't know. I don't have anything to measure this by. So I I think you're I'm supposed not, to be very excited. But anyway, that's okay. Well, I, Go ahead. I get exactly like, what she's compar- saying. In comparison to what, though? I guess I just maybe need more context. Like, is this... Uh, is this... How, how long has it been since we've seen Green Goblin or him battle Green Goblin in a big kind of way? How long has it been since we've seen him take on, like, a huge foe? Um, is this, like, the first or the second or third, like, major... Um, uh, villain that he's going to be fighting in these books like i i don't have any i don't have any history right. i guess for me like green goblin is like the arch nemesis for spider-man and he's always kind of been that like joker to the batman and uh mm-hmm. that dynamic i think has always been there so when we show when we when we talk about him being gone for so long and then Peter Parker even says in this issue that he's scared that if somebody stumbles upon his lair that's that nobody's been able to find is this going to unleash another goblin is this going to unleash another like large villain that's he's going to have to deal with for another few years and when it's revealed that it is another version of the goblin I feel like it's supposed to have that like punch right. of like 
Like this is this is like this is like the Green Goblin, and he he seems just as demented as the Green Goblin. But it's it's something new okay. and something different and, and scary, and I think that's why. Uh, I thought it was a little bit more intimidating than a lot of the other villains because we've dealt with somebody like him before and to see him be as twisted and evil as the uh, the original Green Goblin uh, makes this guy scary from the start. And then when we show him in his first appearance, like really when we first see him kill the guy that helped him and like explode the van, not, not really have much remorse and then afterwards don that costume, I think... Um, that's why for me it had that like it was so strong yes and i would agree with you that 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 the for the turning point for me wasn't him unveiling himself it was him killing the henchman that showed him where the layer was he was like oh man this is crazy like i'm gonna have to get out of here because uh they're going to be after me. I'm the person who knows. He's like, yeah, you're going to have to get out of here. And he gets rid of him. Right. That to me got the reaction that you were hoping I would get Mm -hmm. from the, from the splash page reveal. Um, I think the majority of my excitement though, for this, for overall, the story was overall from the story that this, uh, this book that I've been, you know, tasked to read, fi- like finally we're getting like this tight narrative, mm-hmm. um, all of the action from Aunt May to the Daily Bugle, it's all really well paced. Yeah. And that that's where that's what I'm excited about. This is the first Spider-Man comic that I've been I've been uh, that I've read for the show where I want to read more. Mm-hmm. But only, but only if they're like this, and I, I get the feeling that they might not be. <laughs> I get the feeling they are like this. But anyway, I think Becca touched on this earlier too, with the fact that she said that Spider-Man's not in this issue a lot, and I think that m- might be a good thing, only because sometimes when Spider-Man is is in the issue too much, uh, it turns into we we see Spider-Man, we want to see him punching something. So having that balance of Peter Parker and Spider-Man and then also the Hobgoblin and then Hobgoblin's alter ego and shadows and like kind of seeing the duality of both of those characters, I think is what uh, makes this issue so strong as well, because we're not totally focused on uh, Spider-Man punching the goblin and we're not, you know, laughing at the goblin like sorry, the goblin's not like laughing at his evil scheme that he has. He just does something twisted and evil and then walks away spider-man is trying to figure out who it is and and peter parker as well like peter parker is more doing the detective work i feel like in this issue and spider-man is kind of like taking a back seat so having that uh balance it, it, i think is really great you know we still have two more issues to talk about so let's just say quickly do we recommend this obviously i recommend <laughs> this comic i mean if i were to start reading spider-man i'd probably start in this era around 205 like josh and i did but if you didn't want to start there this would be a perfect place to start out for new readers because it is the beginning of a new storyline josh what do you think of this issue do you recommend it yeah i for sure recommend it and i think that with the the reintroduction of peter parker and his past at the beginning i think it is a perfect first issue for somebody when you want to show them like who peter parker and spider-man is and like how great the comics can be because we really get a, a great balance of like peter parker not always winning uh we have some fun action with spider-man a great villain and a great story so yeah definitely a recommend for me 
G.I. Joe Lee, what do you think? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> no, let's start here. Mm. <clears throat> Forget about all the other stuff we talked about prior <laughs> to this episode of the Spider-Cast. Just head straight for this pile. Bex Luther, what do you think? Well, yeah, I definitely agree. Because, like, even, even the first couple pages are, like, the quickest Spider-Man history recap. Be like, oh, I grew up in this house and I'm Spider-Man. Uncle Ben's dead. Like, Aunt May's doing this. Like, it's a... Mm-hmm. I work for the Daily Bugle. It, like, <laughs> if you've never heard of Spider-Man before somehow, um, and you picked up this issue, you'd get a feel for who he is right away. Without... I don't... Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say anything more negative because I don't want to get... <laughs> Attacked. <laughs> okay. Okay. So now we're going to go to Marvel Team Up. Josh, would you like to explain to the folks at home what this one's about? Sure. Jeez. Um, we, <laughs> we have a fun little uh, Christmas uh, issue going on here. We see Peter Parker at Aunt May's halfway home and they're having a little Christmas party. And Peter sees that Mr. Chekhov is kind of... Uh, not doing so great. He's looking out the window. He's kind of sad. And he uh, tells Peter about his granddaughter, Bet. And uh, Peter Parker steps outside when his spider senses go off. And the Watcher shows up and gives Peter Parker a stone. And in this stone, an image of Bet shows up. And he knows that Bet is in danger. So he tries to go find her. He's looking everywhere. Can't really find her, and Captain America comes in and gives him a little bit of a pep talk. It turns out that she was, like, stealing drugs from the mafia, and um, he uses the stone to end up tracking her down, and she she gets hurt, I think. She gets shot or something, and then the Watcher steps in and saves her enough to bring her to the hospital, she gets healed, and there's a reunion between Mr. Chekhov and Bet, and we have this little epilogue with the Watcher as he talks about how he has been watching Earth for eons, <laughs> and he, you know, it's it's okay to step in every once in a while to save somebody if it's not significant in the grander picture of things. So, yeah, it was an interesting issue. Um, it's just a classic Christmas tale. <laughs> yeah. Sounds really dumb when you just like say it outright. It's just like, oh yeah, the watcher shut up, saved the drug addict, whatever. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, I'll just say it felt like the, a classic Spidey story to me. I did enjoy it. I don't think it was great. Mm. There's a lot of issues I have with the logic of the watcher can never intervene, but in this case he can. That bothered me. Captain America showing up was kind of ridiculous. Although I can forgive it only because it was, you know, one of those cheesy, um, warm-hearted Christmas stories that, you know, comic books used to do at this time. Right. And, of course, we have a shot of the Watcher crying at the end, which is always good. So, yeah, definitely it was, it was, a, it was a more coherent <laughs> J.M. Demetrius Marvel team-up story. But overall, I, obviously not great, but still decent. Uh, G.I. Jolie, what did you think of it? Um, you know, just, uh, it was the strangest, one of the strangest things I've ever read. Um, Captain America is just hanging out on rooftops on Christmas Eve, just in Brooklyn Heights. Like that, okay, that's, that right there is like comic book logic. When I talk about comic book logic, that's it. Um, I didn't hate it. It was a story. It, uh, was it's just, just so strange that, that like, 
Chekhov's granddaughter, who he happens to miss, is he also happens to like uh, be dealing in enormous amounts of cocaine. Like uh-huh. this is the Christmas story. This is the Christmas uh-huh. issue. Like it's funny because I think that eighties comics dealt a lot more head on with like drug use and drug dealing than modern comics do. Like this is not the first time J.M. Dematteis has directly referenced like cocaine, right, Josh? Yeah, homelessness. <laughs> yeah, um, opioid addiction. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't think it's done well. I, I think well, just because mm. just because it's just because it's talked about, I don't think it's necessarily earned. Like it, there's no like good PSA or like actual message here. Right. Like drugs are bad. I guess kids. Like there's no like resolution for that part of the story he like the guy that she's with just threatens to kill her and then spider-man swoops in and saves her that's that's it like there's no like she's just like i'll never do drugs again right like, uh, I don't there's know. no extra layers to no. it there's no really anything unexpected it, it's just really it, it's really strange how they jump from like her grandfather missing her to oh she's She's right. a drug dealer. Yeah, I want to see her story. Like, her parents died in this accident, and she's like, well, guess I'm an addict now. <laughs> like, what happened? But there's got to be something that happened. Like, she's living on the street. She's going through a rough time. Her grandfather's not there for her. Like, st- like I don't feel bad for you, dude. You, you should be helping her. Like, clearly something happened. Her parents died, and you're not there for her? Mm-hmm. Like, it, I don't... If you would have told me that... On page, uh, digital page 11, the next page, an Avenger shows up. I would have never guessed Captain yeah. America. Just just popping in to give some sick wisdom on Christmas yeah. Eve. He's like, oh, no, I just hang out on rooftops. It's Brooklyn. What? Are, I, Brooklyn, Captain America, you know. It, it feels like it was those. Random. It, it felt like that, that PSA that we see in Spider-Man Homecoming where Captain America literally like has yep. the chair exactly and flips that. it, you know, it like sits down backwards on the chair and... Like it's it was so weird and out of place. He's even doing the same pose. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is is Captain America like the Santa of the superheroes? Like <laughs> he must be. <laughs> He's just waiting for people to swing by so we can give them advice. I guess. Yeah. It's a. He's just really good at speeches. <laughs> he just needs to give speeches everywhere he goes. But and on that thing, specific rooftop. <laughs> yeah, like just waiting for people to come by on a snowy Christmas Eve. You know, well, I think what ticked me off the yeah. most about this issue, though, was why her? Why does the watcher like, oh, pretty little white girls in danger, ridiculous. better help her. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. You're right. That's what like, I mean. Uatu's just doing nothing but just watching this one girl. He's like, she's hot. Let's save her. Like, I don't mm-hmm. stupid. It's stupid. Unfortunately, it's stupid. I, I, I can say I don't hate this issue. Um, it is a, it is it has a classic vibe to it, but it's clearly not great. So I, I mean, I could recommend reading it, but don't expect much from it. Josh, what do you think? I um <laughs> yeah, I think it's okay. Um, I feel like I feel like it's one of the better Christmas stories I've read. Mm-hmm. Babe, like Marvel, like. <laughs> comic Christmas stories maybe I don't know uh, I don't know if I would recommend it necessarily but I also wouldn't stop any from anybody from reading it kind of borderline okay yeah. G.I. Jolie what do you think 
<laughs> I definitely, if, if I saw this in someone's hands, I'd be like, so I paint you on. <laughs> you on the part where all the old people are kissing up on each other or the part where he's in the bar looking for, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I wouldn't immediately bat this away from anyone who is considering reading it because I know that then that then their confusion they they get to join an exclusive club where of <laughs> where we can talk about classic Christmas tears of heroin and heroism. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, also, I don't understand. Like. I, I don't get why I don't get the watcher I don't know anyway. the watcher's character is he's not allowed to interfere with anything but every single time you see him he is interfering with something yeah. that's his character so his name is the watcher they're supposed to just watch but they don't ever mm-hmm. <laughs> is this Uatu or is this just a watcher oh this is definitely Uatu is it definitely yeah. I will say this about this team up though it did I didn't know what was going to happen every page. Like, every new page, I was like, who's showing up now? Oh, it's The Watcher. Oh, it's Captain America. Oh, Peter Parker's busting open a payphone and stealing quarters. Like, what? Who knows? Kept me on my seat. See, there you go. There's always something good in an issue of Spidey, right? (laughs) Well, you might want to take that back when we start talking about the next issue. (laughs) Yikes. Okay, who wants to summarize Peter Parker number 76? Uh, Black Cat gets hurt. And mm. Peter loves her. No, but also oh, you, is you described the last issue, I think, actually. Do you want to describe this no, no, issue? No, no, no. <laughs> um, in this issue, she gets shot and has to go get surgery. But in the middle of it, Peter has to take an exam. And then after the exam, he goes back and she's fine. But he, he might have gotten an A on it. So, you know. It's a, it's, school's important, right? You pay a lot for that. Even though your girlfriend's just, <laughs> just, just dying, and it's your fault. Here's the thing, this yeah. story ended last month. They've dragged it out another month, and they're gonna keep dragging it out. Uh, I love Bill Mantlo, but this is not great. How many times are we gonna kill Black Cat before... Yeah, I know, I know, like, you're right, you're right. Oh my god. This, she has nine lives. This, yeah, well, she's nine. used 18 of them at least. <laughs> okay, so yeah, original page four. I I hate this so much. This panel at the bottom of Black Cat just like having Doc Ock's arms just like laid over top of her and her screaming right. help that she can't move. She's black cat. Straight out of hentai. That is hentai for sure. It's so (laughs) bad. Like, this is so out of character for her. Why is she struggling so much with this? Like, she just... Her and Spider-Man just took down Owl and Doc Ock in last issue. And then these tiny little, like, robot arms are going to take her down and, like, hold her long enough for these goons to just shoot her down. I know. And then... And then after they shoot her down, she's just going to, like, miraculously be okay by the end of it, too. Like, it, there was no, like, it was just like, yeah, I brought her to the hospital. What else can I do? Like, I... I this series I has lost momentum, I think, since Ed Hannigan left. I mean, I don't... Yeah. Ed Hannigan was not credited with co-plotting, but when Ed Hannigan was drawing this, it definitely seemed like they were trying to recreate the Steve Ditko 
early Spider-Man stories with the gritty, right? The realism and the uh, the, the art style. And this just seems like sp they're spinning the wheels now, eh? Yeah. I don't know. G.I. Jolie, what did you think of this issue? Um, I think it was ripe with all kinds of inaccuracies about the medical field, <laughs> um, about like external and internal bleeding. She should be dead. She should have absolutely been dead. Also, the amount of time it takes to web sling from where they were at the planetarium, mm, uh, yeah. uh, whatever, at the Erie, and then that he had, he would have to cross the river. The Brooklyn is it the Brooklyn River? He gets there. He gets to the city city center where the hospital should always be, and then they're like, "How long has she been like this?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, five ten minutes." No, no, she's been she was shot up. She should be dead. <laughs> like she was sprayed with bullets. It was graphic. She should be dead. Um, oh yeah, and then there's the there's like. Um, did you know what the only real thing about this was, well, no, not even the, the exam was real. Because you wouldn't just explode into the room and be like, hey, professor, I'm here. You're late. You're sneaking your ass into the back. And then the whole time, the whole time he was in that exam, all he could think about was like, was Black Cat. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I on the exam. <laughs> Come back to it. Yeah, understandably, this is one of those instances where you can tell your professor that you have a family emergency. Like, right, right, right. Or, or like, um, uh, or on the flip side, I can understand why his mind is very preoccupied. I wouldn't be able to think about physics either if I were <laughs> him um, sitting in that exam. But like, to go from there, um, he, he just seems to be rushing about he, she's a mess like let's just say she's a mess and and then it ends and it ends really strangely like he gets to the hospital and she's like under sort of not an incubator they they intubated her earlier but they also put her on a respirator but now she's underneath some other contraption um, where she's miraculously healed enough like to I don't know I honestly I don't know what it is with like the blonde it's like <laughs> he's got it bad for all of them and well I guess the white haired ones Deborah was blonde and he didn't seem to care much for her anyway um I don't know maybe maybe that's how you have to get his attention like you have to be in real like peril um, so to answer your question, I don't know what I think about this issue. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, you know, even it's, this is one of those issues where, uh, to me, Jim Mooney saves it. I love Jim Mooney's ink so much. It makes it feel like a classic issue of Spider-Man, even though as I'm watching it, I realize that everything that's happening is badly done. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, the writing is not good. The art's not great what's happening is illogical there's some decent ideas in here but it just seems all thrown together and the fact that i know that they've been dragging out the story and it's still not done uh it makes me a really frustrating issue to read but again i don't hate it i just don't think it's great i don't know uh, any final thoughts josh i i'm just tired of these like 
like half baked fake outs for these deaths too. Like right, like right. This is like, this is not the first time we we've talked about uh, uh, Black Cat dying and then coming back miraculously without really much explanation. Like yeah, Peter brought her to the hospital, but how did she survive this? Like there's no way that she would actually be able to. So again, it's kind of it kind of just feels like they like put her on death's door just to psych us out and bring her back again to have that suspense and not like throughout reading this I was like I'm not scared I I don't think that she's going to die because you've you keep doing this to me so this entire issue I was just kind of like skimming through and like waiting for that ending where she comes back and everything's fine again so I think that's a problem with any to be honest, any comic where you know that there's a regular character and they pretend that she's going to die, and you're like, well, I know she's not going to die, so I don't really care. Right. Right? But but, but I, I feel like you can still have some sort of real danger, with, even even if you know the character's going mm. to survive at the end. The danger that they're, that they're in is not believable from the beginning. Whether we know that that character's going sure. to survive or not, it's not... Right. Like the, the story itself is not strong enough to even trick anybody who wouldn't know that, right? So I don't sure. think for me it's because I know Black Cat is a regular character. I think it's just because they keep doing this and the setup that they made just wasn't strong enough. How many more people need to die slash get fridged slash maybe not die for Peter Parker to get some character development? Like... The the poor man. All of his girlfriends get killed so that he can feel sad about it and then grow from that. Like I just, just let him have one nice day, nice girlfriend. Like I don't, I don't understand why these comics, especially some of these like older ones, they'll they'll be like, we have this strong female character. Now let's continuously riddle her with bullets and save her. Like it's just, she's just not a strong character now. Now she's a weak character and now she's an object and is getting in the way of the plot. <laughs> so, I don't know. Comics like this is, frustrates me. This is why I don't read some older stuff because it's just so, like, we don't care about this character at all. We are lit. She's literally an object for this man to feel feelings about. Like, men can feel feelings about other things mm. sometimes. Like, I don't know what, but you know. Yeah, how about the the stress of like uh, <laughs> having to take care of his grandmother or like being a superhero? That's pretty damn stressful. Like, yeah, but she's like not the- hot. Black cat's hot, so yeah. There's boobs, and you put bullets in them. books. <laughs> I mean, there's so many different things that they could have done to still have those stakes of the exam and, and balancing that. Like, Black Cat could realize that the, the job isn't over and they've got to do something else, and he's like, well, I have to get this done as soon as I can so I can make my exam. And, like, you could still have that balance of, like, uh, uh, the personal life and the superhero life without... Mm-hmm. Making a woman the object of that peril, like it, it, she was just a she's just mm-hmm. a plot device at this point instead of a character, right? So it's yeah, th- this issue for me didn't work at all. I don't think I would recommend this one. No, I don't recommend it either. Unfortunately, it's definitely not a great issue. Uh, GI Julie, do you recommend this issue? <laughs> no, not a. Like, read literally anything else, including, like, the cereal box, the shampoo bottle. Read those. 
You'll be more entertained. You'll be more satisfied. Oh, God. This is painful. I love the emotional whiplash. Like, your girlfriend's in surgery. But it's physics 102. What are you going to do, right? You got to go to school. You got to sit down and take that exam. You can't just be like, hey, prof, my girlfriend's in surgery because she got shot. Like, you don't have to tell them you're Spider-Man. <laughs> I don't it's at least the worst yeah, kind of comic book ridiculous like where nothing makes sense and it, it's at the like it's not for the benefit of the comic it's at the the like the opposite of that for everybody involved and nothing happens and at the end we're exactly where we are at the beginning and there's no point so but hopefully he got an a so yeah <sighs> if only so that wraps up this episode of here comes the spider cast but did we scare you away bex luther are you gonna be back I mean, what else am I gotta do? Like, <laughs> like talk about the making first, us feel the, wanted. The first issue was good, and then at the second issue, I was like, mm. okay, this is ridiculous. And then the third issue was just bad. So, I mean, I could be playing Animal Crossing, but I'm not. I'm here, so should appreciate. Well, that. we'd like to thank you again for joining us. We'd like to thank GI Julie for joining us. Josh, you can take it from here. All right. Uh, we want to know what you guys think about uh, the episodes and the issues that we're reading. So uh, we want to hear your comments and reviews. So catch us over on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, YouTube, um, pretty much anywhere that you can find podcasts, you can find us. And on Twitter, we are at, at Comic Syndicate or at... No, H-C-T no, H- H- Spidercast. Spidercast. Right? Yeah. Okay, H-C-T Spidercast. Right, right. Okay, yeah, there we go. We do a new episode every week. We cover one month's worth of Spider-Man comics. Uh, mm-hmm. Next week is going to be another special uh, episode where we cover the guest appearances, but then after that, we'll be back to the weekly grind. So please join us every week, and until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right, see you then. Oh!